as you can probably see by the title of this episode, um, I'm going to be diving into once saved, always saved, or once under grace, always under grace, as a lot of people know it as well. Uh, this doctrine is pretty common in Christianity today, and um, it seems like uh, Baptists believe it, and then there's some others who are not Baptists who also believe it as well, that once you, um, the, the popular belief of once saved, always saved, or that is the belief, is that once you become Christian, once you're saved, once Jesus has washed away your sins and you become born again, that you can't lose your salvation, that you're eternally secure, and no matter what you do, um, you can't uh, fall away from the faith. And so I'm just going to run through um, many Bible verses, and I'm just going to run through a handful of points that explain, and we're going to find out, is once saved, always saved actually in the Bible, or is it not? Is it a doctrine from a, is it a doctrine of demons, or is it biblical? And so starting off right away, uh, we're going to go to Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. So Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. And it states, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And Hebrews 12.25 Hebrews 12.25 says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on the earth, speaking of Israel in the desert, how much more shall we, uh, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? And Acts 20.29-30. And Acts chapter 20, 29, verses 29-30. For I know this, Paul is speaking, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And also, this doctrine ties into predestination. Um, And the modern view of predestination states that um, God selects specific people. He chooses people, those who are going to be saved, and he chooses, selects specific people, those who will be damned. So the modern belief says that, you know, God selects or elects us to those who are saved, and he specifically chooses those people, and they're secure, and they're safe, and he selects purposely those who will go to, will go to hell. And a lot of people use uh, Romans 8 and will use uh, Ephesians 1, where it talks about election. So let's go through the, those verses as well. Um, so Romans 8, 28 through 30 states, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, there's that word, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. 
And so, like I said, the modern doctrine uses this verse, the modern doctrine of predestination, says that God specifically chooses those who will go to heaven and chooses those who will go to hell. And they also, those who use uh, and believe in predestination, also use Ephesians 1, 4. According, and this is what it says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And so, um, predestination, once saved, all saved, is kind of intertwined. So I'm gonna, we're maybe looking at both of those things. We're going to be going through predestination and once saved, all saved to see what the Bible says. Is predestination a biblical? Is it true? And is predest or and is once saved, all saved true? And is it biblical? So we're going to go through these verses, and I'm just going to run through points that people use to say that these two doctrines are true, and I'm just going to share what the Bible says and why um, you need to take the entire Bible in context when looking at these two uh, ideas or doctrines or theories. Um, from Genesis to Revelation, right? Because we can't have, you can't just uh, have a doctrine built upon just one section of Scripture or just uh, one section of verses. It has to encompass um, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation so we can get a full understanding and as Isaiah 28, 9, and 10 says, we can have, we have to go from precept to precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, to understand doctrine from God's word. And so the first point, it's called foreknowledge. The Bible teaches we are elect because God knew before the world was created, we would choose him when given the chance. And 1 Peter 1, 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And John six sixty four, But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who were not, I'm sorry, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. Okay, so God knows already before it happens who will be saved and who won't be saved. That's just, it's because he's omnipotent. He is eternal. He has foreknowledge, and that's why it says, 1 Peter 1, 2, we are elect according to his foreknowledge, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Number two, Everyone in the entire world has the opportunity to be saved, but God just knows who will choose him that they might be saved. And 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So these had the opportunity to receive the truth. These had the opportunity to be saved, but it says, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Number three, God desires and wants that all would be saved, and he has absolutely no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And 2 Peter 3.9 says, 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, he, he wishes and he wills for all of us to come to repentance and be saved. Ezekiel 18.32. Ezekiel 18.32. For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. We know, and we know as Christians, you know, not everyone on the earth is going to be saved in the end, unfortunately. That's the ideal, right? We, I, God wants that. That's his will. But ultimately, we have the free will to disobey him. He leaves it up to us in the end. So we know that not everyone is going to be saved, but still, it's going against his will that not everyone will be saved. Meaning, he doesn't wish this upon his creatures, but he gives them the, the choice. He gives them the opportunity to choose him or reject him. Number four, God is no respecter of persons. You know, once saved, always saved, and predestination says that God does respect persons because he chooses and he selects specific people to be saved and to be damned. But the Bible says the opposite. God does not respect persons. He has no favorite or preferences. Whosoever, anyone from anywhere, tongue, tribe, nation, race, that calls upon the Lord will be saved. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Acts 10.34 Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And Romans 2.10-11 But glory honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. And finally, Romans ten thirteen, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we can see God is not a respecter of persons. Anyone from anywhere, tribe, nation, race, it doesn't matter. If they call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, if they repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in him, they will be saved. Number five, this way, from all the numerous uh, passages of, from the Apostle Paul um, that he wrote from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we, this way we know Paul wasn't contradicting himself when he states these things. Okay, and so 1 Thessalonians 3.8 for now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. So this is speaking about once saved, always saved, meaning um, these are not contradicting, meaning you can fall from grace. We must um, abide in the Lord. We must remain in the faith. All right? This, these are um, the Apostle Paul is saying we have to remain in the faith. We have to take, um, take heed to ourselves lest we fall away. So he goes on to say, okay, so for now we live, 1 Thessalonians 3, for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. 
in Colossians 1, 21 through 23, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. In 1 Corinthians 10, 10 through 12, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Paul is saying, those who are destroyed in the wilderness by disobeying, by unbelief, though they're written for our admonition, so we don't do the exact same thing. So we have to take heed. He says, therefore, no, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, right? We think we're all, we're, we think we know what we're doing. We think we're, oh, I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm secure. But Paul is saying, wherefore, let that person who thinks he's standing, take heed to himself, lest he fall. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.27, 1 Corinthians 9.27, this is the final verse of this point. But I keep, this is Paul speaking again, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, Paul is using the exact same language as all the verses that I've just shared before. He's saying, we have to continue in the faith, right? We have to abide in Jesus. We have to remain in the faith. Okay, and number six, it doesn't contradict that God can cast off those who he has chosen because of sin. 2 Kings 23, 2 Kings 23, 27 says, And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight, as I have removed Israel and will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. So take this analogy. I like analogies because they help, um, they help to put it in a different perspective, kind of an imagery kind of thing. So take this analogy. Suppose God is giving directions to two drivers. One he knows will follow his directions, and the other he knows will not. God will still give both of them the, the God will still give both of them the directions, but he knows the one who won't listen is going to make the wrong decisions. That's why, hence the reason the Lord will judge the one who made the wrong decision, because he knows the he had the ability to make the right ones, but refused. He didn't make the right decisions. The one who the one who will make the right decisions, however, the Lord calls elect because he had foreknowledge to know he would make the right decisions. Hence, he predestinated or planned a path to save them. It's called the plan of salvation, right? And going back to the original verse, skipping back to uh, predestination of, of Romans 29, 
of going back to what we learned so far. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, there's that verse again, the foreknowledge, elect according to the foreknowledge, right? Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of, of his son. But going even further than that, let's read the whole verse. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might, speaking of Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ultimately, that decision to choose Christ is in the hands of those who desperately desire and want it. He leaves that up to us. If not, those who don't want it, if not, they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, as the scripture that we went over says. And Isaiah 66, 4 states, I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. And yes, the Lord does use the wicked for his glory. And for us, with our human understanding, it's hard to contemplate, contemplate Excuse me, just exactly how this happens, being that he is omnipotent, holy, perfect, sovereign, all-knowing, eternal. But regardless, it just shows how good he is. He still uses the wicked for his glory. The problem is for us in our post-flood brains, you know, our small human understanding, the Lord will sometimes speak in tones, which um, the Lord speaks and writes things of things that are already accomplished and as though they're already accomplished. So just like when he says elect, he knows they're elect because he knows who will choose him. So he says, so he says election. So it says election according to the foreknowledge because he speaks in, because he's God, he's eternal. He speaks in that way, but sometimes it's hard for us to, to understand that. And number seven, point number seven, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Faith is continual. Faith is not a one-time deal or a one-time transaction. It is a continual lifestyle of truth of abiding in Christ, of obedience. For example, Hebrews 10.38 Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. In Romans 11.17-21 okay, This is Paul speaking of the literal nation of Israel, how they fell. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, speaking of the Gentiles, of us, of me, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt, then, thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spare not the natural branches, take heed 
lest he also spare not thee. So Paul is saying, if the natural branches, if the Jewish nation who had the oracles of God, who had the truth, who had the prophecies, who had light from God, true light from God, were broken off because of unbelief and disobedience and sin, how much more should we take heed if we, because we, we're not even of the original tree. We're wild olive branches, right? We're Gentiles. Paul is saying how much more we should fear and we should take heed to ourselves so that we do not, so that we ourselves do not fall like Israel did. So that's a huge, huge point that, I mean, so far, all the scriptures we went over, it's so, you know, clearly showing that, no, you can fall from the faith after you have tasted of the word of God, after you know the oracles of God, after you have been born again, you can fall away if you don't take heed, if you don't fear, if you don't become high-minded, you know, it's easy to get high-minded, it's easy to be filled with pride, it's easy to be filled with self, and how many times does God have to tell us, take heed to yourself, be careful, take heed, and Luke 9.62 says, and Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Basically saying, no man who puts his hand to the work of the gospel, no man who puts his work to the kingdom of God, who's going out there, planting seeds, plowing, you know, reading their Bible, praying, studying the word, doing all these things for God, but then looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. And number eight, Paul says that the Galatians were fallen from grace if they thought they were justified by the law. Galatians 5, 2-4, it says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. For Christ, uh, yeah, for the whole law, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law for ye are fallen from grace. Clearly showing falling from grace is possible. Now, going back to John chapter 10, where people use um, this as a huge once saved, always saved verse. Okay, let's read John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. It says, And I, speaking of Jesus Christ, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So people will use this to say after, even though there's tons, you know, many, many verses saying contrary, what, or the, I'm sorry, yes, saying contrary to that you can't, you can lose your salvation, but this verse is not actually speaking of meaning that you can never lose salvation. It's simply saying, Christ knows who will reach heaven. It doesn't, it's not saying those who are Christians remain Christians. God never uses force. Okay? God never uses force upon his children or anyone who believe, you know, comes to him. 
it's it's very true this verse is exactly right that no one can pluck us out of jesus hand and can pluck them out of the father's hand but we can put ourselves outside of their loving hands we can choose to not be in their hands we can choose to be to live outside of their saving hands so yes it is true we we you know no one can pluck us out of the hands of jesus no one can pluck us out of the hands of the Father, right? Nothing can. The enemy can't. Um, trials can't. Family can't. Whatever it is, um, whatever comes upon you, but we can do that ourselves. We can jump out of the Father's and of Jesus' hands. And we can be sure that we are understanding everything. Romans, John, Ephesians, all these verses about how once saved, always saved is not a biblical doctrine. And we can make sure and we know that we are correctly understanding these when it's in perfect harmony with the rest of the inspired word of God. Right? It, uh, Isaiah 8.20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. It has to harmonize with the entire biblical text, all 66 books of the Bible. So there might be a couple verses here that are hard to understand on the surface and on the surface they may seem to be saying one thing when in you know when in reality you have to take all of the bible and match it and bring it together and see uh what god is saying in different parts of the bible and and how his character can't be contradicted to one thing so we went through in this episode we just went through i'll just mention the points again okay um it's not predestination in the modern sense, is false. It's simply called foreknowledge. When God speaks of election, it's called foreknowledge. The Bible teaches we are elect because God knows before the world was created who would choose him when given the chance. That's the first point. And number two, everyone in the entire world has the opportunity to, opportunity to be saved, but God just knows who will choose him, that they might be saved. Number three, God desires and wants that all would be saved and has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And number four, God is not a respecter of persons. He has no favorites or preferences. Whosoever and anyone, when, whether from a different tongue, tribe, nation, or race, calls upon Jesus, calls upon the Lord, can be saved. Number five, this way we know Paul wasn't contradicting himself when he tells us to take heed to ourselves, to abide in Christ, to um, he says, if ye stand fast in the faith, he says to take heed. And he gives the examples of Israel over and over again. These fell because of their unbelief. They fell because of their disobedience. Number six, it also doesn't contradict that God can cast off those who he has chosen. Right? He calls all to him. But that doesn't mean those who have, he has chosen can be cast off because of unbelief because of sin, though they can still be cast off because of ourselves that we fall from his grace. And number seven, the Bible states that the just shall live by faith. Faith is continual. Faith is not a one-time transaction. It is a continual lifestyle of truth, abiding in Christ, and obedience. And finally, uh, point eight, Paul says that the Galatians could fall from grace if they said 
they were justified by the law. And so I hope this helps you. I kind of tied in predestination and cleared that up how, um, you know, predestination is not what a lot of people think it is. God does not pick and select certain individuals, um, and we have no choice in the matter. He simply knows who will choose him, right, because of foreknowledge. And also, we saw that once saved, always saved is not biblical. You know, that's God tells us over and over and over again in this word, take heed to yourselves. You know, like the verse says in Second Peter, um, it's happened to the true proverb, the sow is turned into his vomit again. We can go back to those sins that we are once committing and live in them again. And we trample and we spurn the grace of Christ when we do so. And we fall from grace. Just like Saul. Saul, after continual disobedience, he was abiding in God. He was um, with, you know, he was, the Spirit was with him. But after continual disobedience, after um, continual rejection of his Holy Spirit's proddings, God, the Spirit of God departed from him, and an evil spirit was given to him. And finally, after, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't immediate, but after a, a period, God left Saul because of his disobedience, just like he has left, as a whole, the nation of Israel, the literal nation of Israel. And God doesn't cast off immediately. It's not one sin and he's done with you. That's not how he works. Like the children of Israel, he gave them so many opportunities to repent. He gave Saul, King Saul, so many opportunities to repent and to change his ways, but it's a continual disobedience. It's a continual not abiding in Christ. It's a continual disobedience to the Spirit's proddings. And, you know, God works with so much compassion because we know he says that if we do confess our sins, First John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just uh, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you confess your sins in truth and in purity of heart and in sincerity, God will forgive you of that sin. He works with compassion. And so, again, I appreciate you listening. Um, please reach out to me. You can email me at biblicalandfound at gmail.com or else you can reach out to me on Facebook. I'll be posting this um, you know, on Facebook so people can see it. And please let me know yeah, if you have any questions or anything, um, comments or whatever you need. If you need prayer requests, just please let me know. And I will, I plan on God willing, making more episodes um, as God leads me to do so. So again, thank you for watching. May God bless you. God bless the rest of your day and your week. And we will see you on the next episode. All right. God bless you. Bye.